Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited you came across this message. The sermon you are about to listen to is from our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Mark. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Hope Church family. So glad you have joined us. If I have not met you, my name is Scott. At some point today, before you leave, I'd love to meet you out in guest services. But if you're part of the Hope Church family, I just want to say how excited I am to be back. I am back from vacation. Amen. And before I jump into the message, I just want to say thank you. I don't know if you know this, however long you've been a part of the Hope Church family, but you are a part of a church that I'm so grateful for sees us and understands that before we are pastors, we are husbands and fathers. And so for the last few weeks, my family have had the blessing of making a lot of memories and having a really good time together. And and I just wanna take a moment to to publicly thank pastors Tom and Trenton and Ricky for preaching the word of God. Can we honor them for just a minute? So grateful for the way they stood up here and preached the word of God. I followed along while I was on vacation. I'm grateful for all of our pastors and all of our staff and If you don't know it, you are a part of a really, really beautiful church, and God is doing amazing things. And just while I was on vacation, just praying and dreaming and asking God for the next months and years to come, what he might do here in our midst. And I'm just really, really, really grateful and excited. Excited today to jump back into our study of the Gospel of Mark. If you have a Bible, open it to Mark chapter 7. Always want to remind you to bring your Bibles, whether you have it on your app or in your lap there in a physical Bible. Mark chapter 7, we're actually finishing the the seventh chapter of Mark today, and then we're gonna take a little break to do a new series I'm excited about starting next week, but then jump back into Mark and finish chapter eight so that by the end of 2023, ladies and gentlemen, we will have finished one half of the gospel of Mark. That's a good thing. We've made our way a couple years in, and we got a couple years to go, but today we jump back in and finish chapter seven. And just before we read the text and probably because I just got back from vacation, so I'm a little passionate and pent up, but I just wanna remind you that what we're reading today and what we've read now for seven chapters, every time we open the word of God, we are not just reading a history book. We're not careful. We can sit in church week after week after week, and we can start to see this thing as something God used to do. All the miracles, all the things, and if we're not careful, we don't look at at God as a God who still does these things. We look at a God who used to do these things, but I just wanna remind you as we jump in today, the, the God we see in the scriptures who saved He still saves. The God we see in the scriptures who who looks at the lonely and the outcast and the downtrodden and, and sees them when nobody else sees them. He still sees them, although other people might not see them. He still has compassion like he used to have compassion. When we read the word of God, we're not reading about what God used to do. He has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's on the throne, and he desires to speak even today. I believe if you came Maybe you need to get a little more sips of coffee to lean in a little better, but God wants to move today. The same God we're gonna read about doing incredible things, that same God is active in our midst and he desires to do that today. He is still at work. So let's let's believe for it. Let's lean in to it. And if you're ready to get into the word of God today, say, let's go. Let's go. Excited. Mark 7, starting in verse 31. Hopefully you have it open there, but it'll be on the screen if you don't. 
Then he, that's Jesus, returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. I'm about to warn you, we're going to read some strange stuff here, but don't worry, we're going to unpack it all. Verse 33, and taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Epitha, or Epitha. By the way, when you see words like that that you don't know how to pronounce and it looks like a lot of syllables and no vowels, just say it fast and have confidence, okay? Epitha. That is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Now, what's going on here? We always want to remind you, whether you're jumping in for the first time with us in our study of the Gospel of Mark, or you just need a refresher, what's going on here is we turned a page last week and Jesus is now ministering to Gentiles. He is in, he's ministering to Gentiles. And by the way, I, I want to just say, when I first started going to church, sometimes I heard some words where a lot of people around me seemed to know what those words meant, but I had no idea what those words meant. So I just want to meet you where you're at. If you have no idea what a Gentile is, I want to inform you it, it means non-Jewish person. A lot of times you see Jews and Gentiles contrasted very simply. Anytime you see the word Gentile in the, in the Bible, it is somebody who is not Jewish. And why this is a very big deal as we jump into this study is because for all of human history, the majority of God's activity, 99.9% of God's activity was for the Jewish person. So the Gentiles were looking on the outside. There were outsiders looking in to see what God was doing. And, and what we're reading right now and what we studied last week is Jesus looking to the Gentile to say, hey, you, come on inside. I came for people just like you. I'm here to work among you. And I, I say that this morning to, to call out the fact that I think there's a lot of people that come to Hope Church that might feel like Gentiles, that you feel like the majority of what we say is, is for certain kinds of people, but I hope you're encouraged by the Spirit of God through the Word of God today that Jesus just might be saying to you through this story, hey, you, come on inside. The one that you didn't think you had it in you, the one that you didn't think you looked like a certain type that I used, come on inside. I came for people just like you. Jesus is ministering to to Gentiles, and maybe today, if you're feeling on the outside of what God is doing, God might have a word for you. Last week, we saw he healed a Gentile woman's daughter from demonic oppression and possession, and today, we see he heals a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. So we're just gonna work through this, and to do that, we give a big idea here. We call it a sermon in a sentence. Here's where we're headed today. The care and passion of people and the compassion and power of Jesus can change lives. I believe we're gonna see both of those things very clearly in the story. The care and passion of people and the compassion and power of Jesus can change lives. So if you're new to hope, here's why we do, how we do it. We just read the passage in its entirety and now we're gonna work our way line by line, word by word through this passage and see what God has to teach us. And I believe we're gonna learn through three aspects of this story. 
three aspects of the story. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, the care and passion of these people. So right out of our sermon and sentence, we see first the care and passion of these people. Let's jump in and see where Jesus is in verse 31. Look at it. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. Now, where is Jesus and why is this significant? This is an area he has been to before. It's on the coast of the Sea of Galilee, and it's known as the Decapolis, or literally 10 cities. This is a primarily Gentile region. Again, there were some Jews there to be sure, but primarily this is Gentile territory. If you remember a few weeks ago, the certain people of the Jewish, Jewish religion looked at the Gentiles as unclean. So here's Jesus doing his work and ministry amongst unclean people. As Pastor Tom said, it's not what comes into you that makes you unclean. It's what's already in you. So Jesus here is in the Decapolis, and historians tell us this is a major area, 10 cities. They call it the Rome away from Rome. If you know anything about ancient history, Rome was a very big deal. So to be called the Rome away from Rome, this area is massive. Think thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So we jump into verse 32. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and has speech impediments. They begged him to lay his hand on him. We'll talk about it in just a moment, but when you read he is deaf, it literally means he could not hear. But the speech impediment, a lot of times we think that might be a stutter, but as I studied this, it seems to be much more intense than that. It's not that this man was fully mute, but when he tried to communicate, nobody could understand him at all, meaning he lived very, very hard, a very, very hard life, could not hear, could not communicate. But before we jump into this man's disability, I want us to see the significance of the words that I've highlighted here today. Nope, go back. There we go. They. I was drawn into these two times this pops up in this passage, they. We see it twice here, and here we are 2,000 years later sitting in a church service on a Sunday morning, and we still have no idea who they is. But it's really important because if it wasn't for they, this man may have never been healed by Jesus because they brought him. And not only did they bring him, they begged Jesus to heal this man. And I believe it's just good for us just for a minute to pause and think about this reality. You see, when we most of the time think about characters who are really significant in the Bible, we probably think of guys like Peter. This bold proclaimer of the gospel, a disciple of Jesus. We, we see Peter as this Hall of Fame follower of Jesus. Or maybe it's, it's John. He's the, the lover. He's the, the loyal friend of Jesus who wrote five books of the New Testament. Or the most famous person in the New Testament other than Jesus is Paul the Apostle, the missionary theologian who wrote half of the New Testament. We, we put these people up, rightly so, as incredible followers of Jesus in the Hall of Fame of the kingdom of God. But if we're not careful, church, we actually start to see those people as the standard and those are the only people that can be used of God. If we're that kind of follower, if we're that kind of Christian. And on top of that, we live in a kind of a weird subculture right now where there's like YouTube celebrity preachers out there. <laughs> Talk to people and say, who's your pastor? Oh, it's this guy I watch on YouTube. What? <laughs> Podcasts and books and celebrity pastors, and if we're not careful, we can see these people as professional Christians who do all the ministry work. 
And maybe we start to think subconsciously even, I could probably never be used by God like that. We look at the professionals and we think, well, I'm just a, a regular person. I'm talking to a bunch of regular people here today who are construction workers and retail managers and business owners and chefs and teachers or whatever occupation or role you have in our society. And if we're not careful, we think, I'm not a professional Christian, so I'll just let them go get those people for the glory of God, and I'll just sit back and watch while they do the work of ministry. And then we read these nameless people in Mark 7. I want us to see that the spectators in Mark chapter 7 in this story are actually the professionals. The disciples were the ones watching this happen. Who was on the front lines of God's activity in this situation? The regular they kind of people that will never know their names. See, we live in a world where everyone wants to be an influencer, meaning everyone knows your name, everyone has all the follows, but you just gotta know as you read the Bible, that's not necessarily how the kingdom of God works. There are people like Mark and Megan and millions of other people around the world who are doing incredible things for the kingdom of God in the dark, and they'll get their reward in heaven, but on earth, they look like nameless they kind of people. But this man's life was changed because they brought him. And don't miss the application, church. I want us to be a, a church family full of they kind of people that with, with care and passion, like these people begged Jesus. They, they brought him with some care and they begged him with some passion, do this for this man. I want us to be a church that that is about bringing people to Jesus, the only one that can heal with, with care and passion. You're a regular person, but you're seeing people in your life that need Jesus. And just like these they kind of people, you are bringing people to him. Because the same thing that is true of this man physically is true of our world spiritually. Desperate, helpless, hopeless apart from Christ and if we don't, with care and passion, bring them to Jesus, how will they experience his power? How will they know? I love how Paul the Apostle said it in Romans chapter 13, or Romans chapter 10, rather. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We say yes and amen to that. Everyone says yes, and then Paul double clicks on it. How then will they call on him who they not believed? And how are they to believe on him who they never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? In the context of this story, how is this deaf man healed if they don't bring him? How does the person you know in your life right now, how are they ever to come to a relationship with Jesus if you don't tell them? If you don't bring them like our people here in Mark 7 to Jesus to experience the power. And again, we all have had those moments in our lives. Think about the, the person that introduced you to Jesus shared this before, but for me, it was my junior year of high school. My best friend growing up, Kyle Allison. I had no idea, by the way, on Thursday night when I told this story that his mom and his brother had just decided to come to Hope that day. Kyle Allison, I grew up with him. I was like their fourth son in the family. One day, my buddy Kyle, after homecoming dance my junior year, he called and invited me to come to church with him. What a simple invitation. Hey, man, you want to come to church with me tomorrow? He had no idea that the next morning I would wake up and I would walk through the doors of a church here in Las Vegas, but I was actually walking into a brand new life. Through that church and through that ministry, a few months later, I would give my life to Jesus. I would surrender the control of my life to Christ, repent of my sins, and have everything changed. How did it start? 
because a nameless guitar playing 16 year old named Kyle decided to invite me to church, having no idea what God was going to do. Think about your own life. Who right now, church, in your family, at your school that you're about to jump back into, in your cubicle, in your office, whatever it may be, in your ever, your sphere of influence, who right now is like this deaf man, who with some care and passion need to be brought to Jesus? We all have names that we're thinking about right now, and I just am here to tell you with, with a little bit of passion and a whole lot of Bible, Jesus has put you in their lives to bring them to him. Don't say, oh, somebody else can do that. Praise God these people didn't say that. Who in your life right now with care and passion do you need to bring to Jesus? We learn from this story about the care and passion of these people. But there's a second thing we learn from. Not only the care and passion of these people, but the compassion and power of Jesus. So we see in verses 33 and 35, the compassion and power of Jesus. As we read it, this is a very interesting and, and, and odd scene. Again, before we jump into the text, I want you to think about it. There's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And there's two things that I want to point out that we see Jesus do here. Here's the first one. Jesus shows his compassion by taking him aside. Look at it in verse 33, the beginning of it. And taking him aside from the crowd privately. See, that just seems like kind of a, just kind of some pointless words. What's the point of, of that part? I believe this actually shows Jesus's compassion. You say, how's that? Well, you got to remember, this is a disabled man, a man who's not able to function normally in society. Imagine a deaf man who can't speak in a massive crowd of thousands upon thousands upon thousands. People are bumping into him and he can't hear them. When he bumps into them, they look at him with a mean look and, and ask for an explanation. He can't give it to them. And I just know because of a personal friend of mine that this is a very hard situation for somebody who has trouble hearing. I asked him if I could share this story, but many of you know Elijah Pittman. He is one of our staff members over in Hope Kids. We love Mr. Elijah. We're thankful for him. And I, I've known Elijah since he was about this tall. And now he teaches my kids who are about this tall. It's a weird thing. But Caleb, Elijah and his brother Caleb were both born hard of hearing. So they're not deaf, they're hard of hearing, so they wear hearing aids. And as I was studying this, I remember Elijah saying something one time, so I called him to make sure it was correct. He said, man, I hate crowds. When you are hard of hearing or deaf, crowds are the worst because you can see there's a ton going on, but you can't fully understand it through your sense of hearing because you are hard of hearing or deaf. Elijah agreed with this story that this is a moment of compassion for Jesus to, to take this man aside. Another one of our staff members, when we were studying this this week in our, in our staff uh, meeting, they mentioned a, a thing I didn't catch. They said, have you ever seen those people that get their cochlear implants turned on? And it's like an aha moment where for the first time they can hear. And it's this nice, quiet doctor's office. Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do in this man's life. Could you imagine if the, the ears turned on for the first time and the crowd of thousands upon thousands was the first thing this guy heard, that would have been overwhelming and harsh. So Jesus takes this man aside as a way to show him compassion. Before we continue to study this, I, I can't allow us to miss the spiritual principle here. He took this man aside so when he healed him, he could 
see and, and understand what it was that Jesus was doing for him. And the same is true for us spiritually. We may not be deaf or hard of hearing, but the chaos of the world and the noise around us constantly, if we're not careful, allows us not to see what Jesus might be doing in and around our lives. So we need to allow Jesus to take us aside privately so that away from the noise and the crowds, you and I can see and understand what it is that he might be doing. At Hope Church, we're gonna constantly remind you that daily as a part of your abiding relationship with Jesus, as a, as a part of your God time, you allow Jesus to take you aside, away from the noise and the crowds. Why? So you can read his word and see what it is that he is doing in your midst. Don't miss that spiritual principle here. This is an act of compassion. And every single morning, you get that same compassion from God as you allow him to take you aside. If you're present, we see this happen and we see Jesus show compassion by taking him aside. But the second thing we see, Jesus shows him compassion by showing him his power. Verse 33 continues, and this is where it gets weird. He puts his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephetha, that is, be open. I always want to give us a little bit of freedom. It's okay, and there's plenty of times it happens with me and everybody else. When you read the Bible and you go, okay, that's a little weird, right? Like, you are the God of all authority. You could have snapped your finger. Like, why the weird scene here? I mean, if I'm honest, as I studied this and I got into the text, I thought, did I just hear the Bible's description of the first wet willy, right? <laughs> Some of you thought it. Maybe that's because I have kids right now that are trying to give me wet willies. What's a wet willy? You got, you got fingers in the ears and spit. Is this, is this the Bible's? I mean, imagine this. A, a perfect stranger comes up to you and sticks his fingers in your ear. When we read this, it is very, very strange. But I want to try to convince you over the next few moments. Maybe it wasn't so strange for this man. You got to remember, this man is, is deaf. And what we're about to see through these verses is actually simple and compassionate sign language of Jesus. He's actually gonna tap into the other senses of this man because he can't hear. As you read it, as we study it, you'll see it's a while before Jesus even says one word. Instead, he shows him through touch, through vision, what he is going to do. I believe by sticking his fingers in his ears, he's actually showing this man, I know what you're going through and I'm gonna heal it. And then he spits, and I know all the germaphobes are kind of getting squirmy right now. I know it seems gross, and the text doesn't exactly say how this looks, but I can imagine after Jesus pulls this man aside, he gently rests his fingers in this man's ear, and then he takes them out, and he spits on his hand or his fingers. You say, is that really what it says? I looked up the Greek for spit. Guess what it means? Spit. There's <laughs> no way around it, this one. And he touches his tongue. It's weird to us, but I believe this deaf man saw this as tender and compassionate. Remember, this guy doesn't know Jesus, and Jesus doesn't know him, at least he thinks. But he walks up to this man, and he touches him in the exact places that have ailed him potentially his entire life. Compassion. One of my best friends has struggled with stuttering his entire life. He's made some strides, three steps forward, two steps back, and 
It's been an area he's brought before the Lord. This is an area that, that plagues my, one of my best friend's lives over and over and over again. I read this story and think, that's kind of weird, but I can promise you he wouldn't. He's thinking, if Jesus walked up to me without knowing me and touched me, touched me on my tongue, the exact place that I've struggled for my entire life, I would melt. How does he know? Because he's the God of power and compassion. He's showing that here. I understand that to some degree with my kids. Whenever my kids fall and scrape their knee or, or get an owie or get a raspberry, I, I always try to grab them very quickly and I put my hand on the wound. It might be bleeding, it may be just a paper cut, but I, I try to put my hand on the wound. By the way, my kids hate it. They say that hurts. They, they try to swap my hand away, but why am I doing that? I'm doing that because I want them to know I see it, I know it hurts, and I got you. I see exactly what it is that's hurting you right now. I see it. I know it hurts, and I got you. This man understood in this moment. Jesus sees me. He knows it hurts. He's, he's got me. Where do you, Hope Church, need to just allow the Spirit of God to remind you this morning? It may not be something physical. It may just be something going on inside. You just need to know and let the Word of God bear weight on your life. He sees you. He knows it hurts. He's got you. Then it says, looked up to heaven. Still hasn't spoken. Another form of sign language to this man. Jesus, I believe, looks up to heaven as a way to show his dependence on God the Father. I love how pastor theologian Sinclair Ferguson said it. He said, the glance up to heaven meant it is God alone who is able to do this for you. Jesus wanted the man to understand that it was not magic, but God's grace that healed him. So he looks up to heaven as a way to show this is where you are being healed from. And then verse 34 says he sighs. Now when you read that at first, you could think maybe is this Jesus being impatient? <laughs> oh, another healing, here we go. Like we're in the doctor's office, another one. That's not what it means when Jesus sighs. In fact, as you study this in the original language, this is a word that actually means to, to groan over a difficult circumstance. Jesus is actually moved to a out loud physical expression of how much compassion he has for this man. It's heartbreaking what he sees before this man. But as I studied this, all commentators agree, this is a moment where yes, Jesus is deeply moved by this man's brokenness, but it's actually a sigh over a bigger picture of the brokenness of the world in general. Daniel Aiken said it like this. I believe this display of emotion, something we do not often see in Mark, is an expression of our Lord's love and compassion for this man and also his great grief over the fall of man and the terrible consequences of sin. It is the sigh of God over a broken creation. I hope you feel the compassion of Jesus in this moment. Remember, he could have just snapped his fingers and he was done. But yet he walks him through this whole progression. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it was recorded so we can see it and read it here today. And then Jesus speaks for the first time. After all this sign language of compassion, he says the Aramaic word, Ephetha. And then Mark immediately translates, him, tr translates it for his audience in the Decapolis, be opened. But this is my favorite part of the story. <laughs> Because notice 
what Jesus says be opened to. Not to rub it in, but he didn't say it to the man because the man could not hear him. (laughs) So who does Jesus say this to? This is my favorite part. He says it to the ears. That's a picture of the power of God. This is the, the creator and the sustainer of the universe speaking to the very thing he created, which is this man's ears. That's why I love the story. Jesus is commanding his creation, be open. The same God who spoke light into the darkness and made it exist. The same God who created all the stars and the planets. The same God who created the animals and tells them how to live. The same God who who breathed life into Adam and Eve and, and, and created all that we know. That same God stands over his creation in this moment, in the Decapolis, to this deaf and mute man and says, it's time to work, ears. And here's the best part. It happens. Because here's why. Nothing in all of God's creation on earth disobeys him except us. The ears didn't have to think about it. The ears didn't say, wait, 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 wait. Can we have a few days? When Jesus, the creator and sustainer of the universe said, be open. It's time to turn on. Immediately, they were open. Look at it in verse 35. His ears were opened. His tongue was released. And he spoke plainly. Get this, church. When Jesus speaks in creation, there are no counter offers or arguing. It does it. Why shouldn't we act like all the rest of God's creation? In an instant, the one who created the world and upholds it, as, as Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, with the word of his power, in an instant, healed this man completely. He spoke plainly. In the original language, this is a done deal. What does this mean? This man didn't have to go to a speech therapist to make sure it worked. This man didn't go to the doctor to to ensure everything was good. He could not hear. He could not speak. And in an instant when Jesus said, be open, he could hear perfectly and speak plainly. This is power and authority, but done with compassion See, some of you are on board with the power and authority of Jesus, but you just need to let the compassion of God rush over your life today. He sees you. He knows it hurts, and he's got you. Yes, he could make it all go away in a minute, but maybe he's doing something on purpose for your good and his glory. See, he does all that he does in different ways. We see Jesus healing in A lot of different ways. We've already seen it in the Gospel of Mark. We'll see it a bunch more in the Gospel of Mark. This is a very unique time, a very unique way of healing. Why does he do things so differently? I believe that's the mystery and the beauty of Jesus. We can't put him in a box and say, this is how God works. You can't do that. He's the sovereign king of glory. He works how he wants to work. So what's our job? Trust him. Look in the word of God and see these types of things. And just like we started this morning, realize that God hasn't changed. That God is still on the throne. So I may not get it, I may not understand it, but I'm gonna press into the reality that that God is still working today, sometimes in the same ways he works, sometimes in different ways, and you just trust him. What do you need right now to just press in with a little more faith and a little more trust that God is who he says he is? Like I shared before, my my family and I, my wife and I, we got some some years-long prayers that we've been seeking God for. 
and haven't necessarily seen the breakthrough that we would expect or want. But I was encouraged as I read this story. Just because I don't see it right now doesn't mean he's not working. I want to continue to press in. I want to continue to trust him. I want to continue to to believe that the same God who did this miracle is the same God who's on the throne and in my heart today by the power of the Spirit of God. And here's the deal. To To the extent that you believe that, church, is the extent that you and I can experience that. When we stop believing that, When we start thinking, that's just how we used to work. He doesn't work that. We're not going to experience it if we don't even have faith to believe it. So maybe the way to plug this into your life today is just by leaving this place with a little more faith, with a little more dependence, with a little more eyes in the book to not forget who your God is, to not forget who is on the throne right now ruling and reigning and desires to work in your life even when you don't see it. So beg him for it. Start praying that prayer again that you gave up on years ago. Ask him over and over and over again, God, I'm taking you at your word. Do the things that you've promised to do. See, we learn from the the care and the passion of some nameless people. We, We learn from the compassion and power of Jesus. But there's one more area I want us to see we learn from. It's the last two verses. We learn from the response to the miracle. The response to the miracle, look at it in verse 36. Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. How about that? Aren't we guilty of it? And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Before we talk about that second part of the verse, I wanna highlight, because you're, Maybe thinking, if you're new to Bible study, why would Jesus tell them not to say anything? Like, wouldn't Jesus want everyone to know about this situation? But as you follow Jesus around, and we've already seen it sometimes in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus will heal somebody in private, and he'll actually say, don't tell anybody else. What's up with that? I believe it's because Jesus knew if people only knew about his healings, they would come to him as consumers looking for a product, (laughs) Jesus was not into gaining a bunch of fair weather fans who were consumers only wanting him for a product. And guess what? He's still the same God. He's not after fair weather fans. He's after passionate followers of him that he will one day, later on in the story, tell to pick up their cross daily and follow him. So Jesus tells them not to tell anybody. Of course, they do. We see here the posture of these people. It says they were astonished beyond measure. The praise on their lips was he has done all things well. Again, as I studied this this week, and maybe you're feeling that right now in your seat, this challenged me. We don't know much about these people at all. We already talked about that. I don't know whether these people were Fairweather fans or bought-in followers But they're declaring the truth of the universe today, which is he has done all things well. There was never a time and there never will be a time where Jesus doesn't do all things well. But if we're honest, that's not our posture a lot of the time. If you're like me, I could be pretty ungrateful for the things I see God doing. Well, God, why didn't you do it this way? I saw you do it over there with this family or this church or this situation. Like, I would have done it this way. God, why not you? And I just want us 
to maybe take our cues from this nameless group of people that brought their deaf friend to Jesus and that you and I would join in with the creation today to say no matter what it looks like or feels like, he has done all things well. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, man, you don't know this situation. This isn't well. Let me encourage you with something we read all over scripture. Maybe if it's not good, he's not done. Maybe if it's not well, he's still working on it. Trust him. Press in. It may not look how you want it to look at the end of it, but it will be done well. Why? Because he does all things well. Amen? Every time we read the word of God, we want to learn some principles. We want to unpack the text. But we always want to do that as Jesus followers from, from what we call a gospel lens. We always want to look at this knowing that we know the end of the story as followers of Jesus. But the reality is, church, the story that we just read is a story of a disabled man. But spiritually speaking, before we knew Jesus, we weren't just disabled. The Bible says we were dead. We were deaf to the things of God, to be sure. We couldn't communicate the way that God wanted us to communicate, but even deeper than that on a heart level, we were spiritually dead, cut off from a relationship with God. And the gospel lens to look at this story with is the reality that Jesus saw us in our state and he stepped into his own creation. He lived the life we could not live. He died accused of something he did not do and he died in our place for our sin, the, di- the death that we should have died. Three days later, he rose again to defeat death, hell, and the grave. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you've repented of your sins. You've trusted in that Savior. And you just need to know you are just like this deaf man who is now healed instantly. You didn't work for it just like this guy didn't work for it. <laughs> This guy didn't go off and do something and then come back with a progress report to to show Jesus he was worthy of his healing. Jesus didn't even ask the guy if he wanted to. He knew his heart posture and he healed him. If you're a follower of Jesus, you came to Jesus with a need and you knew your heart posture was to be saved and without any merit of your own, without any working or striving, In a moment, he saved you and set you free just like this man. As you read these stories, church, as a follower of Jesus, would you just be overwhelmed with praise? I was the deaf man before Jesus loosed my life, freed my life. And if you're here today, you just got to know and you don't know Jesus, that can happen for you today. Jesus said he came to seek and save those who were lost. I'm praying and have been praying. There's some people that might be found today. Because they read of the power and the authority of Jesus, but also the compassion. And they would come to him needy like this deaf man. And in an instant, the king of glory would heal them spiritually and save them from their sins. That's available to you, no matter who you are. Came in here sitting on the top deck thinking, I hope nobody sees me. Jesus sees you. And maybe today's the day you're found. In just a moment, we're going to have pastors up here like we always do. If you'd like to talk to somebody about what it, looks to follow, what it looks like to follow Jesus, we would love to show you from the Bible the life you were created to live. No striving, no hard work, simply accepting the free gift of salvation that he's already purchased for you. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, part of the Hope Church family, where the word of God bears some weight in your life today?
Maybe for you, you, you were challenged that there are some people in your life that don't know Jesus and the Spirit of God spoke to you that you would be that peop- those people in the dark without all the glory and fame to just simply bring them to Jesus who can heal them. Maybe for you, you just wanna come down here and pray with a pastor or just here at the altar. Just pray for the people in your life that you know need Jesus. I know it can be so difficult. Pray, God, give me courage. Give me boldness. I can be, I can be so scared sometimes to open my mouth to bring people to you. Maybe you just wanna come down here and just pray for those people. Or sit in your seat and pray for those people. Others of you are here and the compassion of Jesus is just overwhelming you. Wherever you need that compassion, he sees you. He knows it hurts. He's got you. Trust him. The enemy would love for you to run from him. Trust him, even when it doesn't look good, because he's not done. However God is leading us to respond, we're going to stand and sing. We'll have pastors down here. Any way you want to pray, any way you want to respond, we welcome whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in this place. Jesus, you are good. Powerful. You're authoritative. You are compassionate. And you're present here among us. Move and work how you want. I pray you'd save people that need to be saved. I pray you lead people to respond who need to respond however it looks like. We trust you, Lord, in Jesus' name.